Hello, I'm Victor Tabala, and this is Expert Voice, Eagle Natural Health's podcast and your partner in natural health and well-being. Joining us on the line from Brisbane today is Dr. Beth Steeles, clinical biochemist and nutritionist. Dr. Steeles is a specialist in complementary medicine and nutraceutical research, which is driven by her desire to continually advance the evidence base for natural health products within broader healthcare. She has built a reputation for rigorous standards and solid results, applying the same parameters to her clinical trials as the pharmaceutical industry, whilst being fully compliant with international good clinical practice guidelines. And I'm pleased to welcome Dr. Steeles today. Dr. Steeles, thank you so much for your time today and welcome to Expert Voice. Well, thank you. I'm very pleased to be here today. So let's get straight into this topic of nutritional psychiatry, Dr. Steeles. It's a relatively new and growing field of study. So what has most captured the interest of researchers about this topic? Well, as a researcher, our most important um, aspect of doing research is to get reproducible results and have an outcome that we can measure. And we never put nutrition and psychology in the same room for many years, mainly because it was really hard to capture any physical and functional changes that occur when our brain is actually under stress. So more recently, we have now been able to capture the functionality of the brain in a way that allows us to actually assess which nutrients are good and which ones are bad. So we call this um, a term called brain plasticity or neuroplasticity. And this is the ability of your brain to modify your connections. And if you think about it going to bed at night, you rewire your brain at night, repair itself for the next day. And this process of repairing your brain has got a term called neurogenesis. And if we are carrying out proper neurogenesis during the night, in the morning, my memory is a lot better, my ability to learn is a lot better, and my ability to regulate my mood and make good decisions is a lot better. And what we now know that if we have an altered neurogenesis process, we actually start seeing signs of mental illness. So we've got a direct connection to the brain function and mental health status and the way we're interacting in society. And the essential process to this neurogenesis is a lovely little molecule and it's called the brain-derived neurotrophic factor. So that's a lot of words and I just use it BDNF. So this little factor produces a protein and this protein tells your brain and your spinal cord how to survive how to grow, how to mature, and how to handle the next day. So now we have a process of neurogenesis. We can now put things into the pot to see what produces a better process and what things inhibit our brain from repairing every night. And that's given us a, a research tool, so to speak, to now use to assess mental health rather than just asking you questions. And most mental health assessment has been done on questions that you might say one thing in the morning and two hours later have a completely different answer to because our emotions do go up and down all day. So this is a functional test and that is what we're really excited about. I think it's really exciting to know that there is something like the brain-derived neurotropic factor. There is something now that we could potentially measure when it comes to neurogenesis. So it's quite an exciting field, but what's more exciting is the fact that the idea of nutrition, getting back to basics once again with our diets, 
could potentially play a role in this. So on that note, Dr. Steeles, how do you see the field of nutritional psychiatry evolving? And are there any particular trends or areas you feel that will become a focus in the near future? Yes. Well, what we started with was looking at whole foods and, and whole populations of people. And, and that sort of research ended up in quite in, in little journals, journals that some people were interested in. But what is telling us that this new field of research is exploding is really judged by the number of papers that are being written about this at the moment and the quality of journals where that research is being published. And we now have a journal of international nutritional psychiatry. Now, to have a journal in its own name for this one area of medicine tells you that it's become mainstream. It's telling us that everybody is interested and it's telling us that doctors and pharmacists and pharmaceutical companies are all watching this space very, very closely because we now have our own category of medicine. So we're also seeing a lot of research being published in the most reputable journals like The Lancet. And when we see this research being published in, in really high-level clinical journals, we know that a lot of people around the world are reading it. So we're hoping that translates to more research, more clinicians taking it on board, and then ultimately more clinical practice for our patients at the end of the day. So Dr. Steeles, most people, as you know, would be aware of the role of a whole food diet, and in particular, its role in maintaining optimum health and general well-being. So can you tell us about the role of whole food diets and in particular how proper servings of foods like fruits, vegetables, protein sources, etc., can help with brain function and mental health? Yes. Well, the original research all started with whole diets and there is very strong correlations and observational evidence across all countries, races and um, all parts of, of different societies where if we actually have a good diet quality, our mental health is improved and we have a poor diet quality because everything you eat is part of your diet. So a poor diet is actually um, not going to protect you against depression, but a really good quality diet will protect you against depression. And they've done studies across the world that show that good nutrition, when you take away all the other factors, has a positive effect on mental health. Now, the most important research has been done on the Mediterranean diet, and I guess that's because a large proportion of people use it, and we also know that's very protective for cardiovascular disease. So a lot of research has been done on the Mediterranean diet, and they have shown that a Mediterranean diet is associated with a 30% reduced risk of depression over another diet, wow. and that 30% is a lot. That is a huge impact, and we're talking about every single day. And that's called the Pretty Med Diet, if you wanted to Google that. We've also, in Australia, we've got a group of, of nutritionists doing another study called the SMILES study, S-M-I-L-E-S. And this study, they've actually given nutritional consults as a supportive adjunct to their cognitive and pharmacology package for people that are suffering various mental health issues. And they found, again, that there's a 35% increase a reduction in severity of mental health issues in the people that were given nutritional guidelines and counselling for two months versus those that just got their normal conventional medication. So that is really, really early research, but it is showing that small changes in diet towards a more Mediterranean and whole food diet 
has a massive impact on mental health. And that's really, that, that data is just getting momentum now. I think the exciting thing there you mentioned before was the fact that you would be, in the terms of the Mediterranean diet, that you are getting a 30% reduction in depression. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. That, that is amazing in the fact that, you know, that, that sort of result, um, you could imagine if you packaged that into a pill and gave that, imagine the type of results that you would be, you know, that a lot yes. of our patients out there would be receiving with, uh, you know, in terms of their mental health and well-being, particularly when it comes to depression. So it's just exciting to know that a simple dietary change can make such a massive difference when it comes to uh, mental health and well-being. So on that note, Dr. Steeles, I've listened very recently to your um, webinar on nutritional psychiatry and I was fascinated by the compelling information that you shared about nutrients and particularly, well, there was actually 12 specific nutrients that you looked at when it comes to mental health. So I was just wondering if you could share with us today some information about the 12 nutrients that you've come across when it comes to general health and well-being when it comes to mental health. Yes, well, that is the exciting exciting part of it. We already knew that Mediterranean diet was the best diet for mental health. So by looking at the nutrients and then assessing which ones could help regenerate the brain through this brain-derived growth factor, we did identify 12 that actually press the button to allow your brain to regenerate at night. So we've got this actual physical evidence that these nutrients are key, and that is what is really exciting. So we've got proof, in a way, that what we've been saying for a while is actually true. So it involves the B vitamins, so folic acid, B1 and B6 are the main ones, Vitamin C, which remember, you know, we lost the ability to make vitamin C as humans, along with guinea pigs and bats, and every other organism in this world makes its own vitamin C. So there's a definite requirement for that every day. There's also the omega-3s, which probably have most of the data. People talk about EPA, DHA for cognitive function, and that is standing very, very strong. And we can also look at the magnesium and zinc are the two minerals which also stimulate this regeneration of the brain independently by themselves. And what's so interesting about that is that if we actually make someone magnesium deficient, we will actually bring on depressive symptoms. And the more deficient a person becomes, the more severe the symptoms become. And if we reintroduce magnesium, you know, hallelujah, we now suddenly see an increase in mental health. So when you can actually run this like a ruler up and down and change the way somebody feels by using this, we know that magnesium is a key element in supporting mental health. And we've also shown with both magnesium and zinc that if you give them as an adjunct to normal therapy, you will improve the outcomes for the patient. So the other beautiful thing about these nutrients is that they can be taken along with any other medication that a person is on without a concern that there is going to be issues. And in actual fact, vitamin C worked as well as fluoxetine in one study, and all of these nutrients have been shown to actually make the current medication that somebody is on work better and more effectively. So it, it takes away that concern. For me, using nutrition is safe, and you've got to also remember safety is, is the most important thing we need to consider as health practitioners. And it's a very safe add-on therapy to add without raising any other toxicity concerns that you might get with other medications. You said before, hallelujah, and I think that's certainly going to be a, uh, a term that people can, you know, can shout out 
from the rooftops when it comes to treating depression and the fact now that you've said that you can now you know well you can safely combine nutrition with medication such as antidepressants it can certainly be a turning point i believe when it comes to seeing real results when it comes to depression and i guess you know on that point you know with depression in society on the increase i truly believe that the evidence that you've provided today is something that all healthcare practitioners dealing with such conditions should strongly take into consideration alongside of course other conventional treatments and uh on that note, and speaking of depression, you've also spoke about during your recent webinar about a nutrient profiling system for depression that was created. So can you share more details on this? Yeah, so what, what we need to do now is, is create something that's really easy for everybody to use. So this is a formula, and, and luckily nobody has to work it out for themselves, but we actually take the percentage of the daily value of each of these 12 um, antidepressant nutrients divide it by the number 12 because there's 12 of them, by the calories that are in that particular food, and then we convert it to a percentage of out of 100. So what we're identifying is what do I have to do to get all of these nutrients as quickly and easily as possible? And, of course, the results have shown that any of the green veggies and, and some of the really good fish sources together will give you the majority of these nutrients. Veggies on their own, particular vegetables, not all of them, but particular vegetables, will give you up to 48% of all of these 12 antidepressant nutrients in one 48%. serve. Yeah. So if we can give you a tool to say, eat this range of foods, then you're going to improve your mental health. And the other point I'd like to make is that we have shown that you know, people go, well, if I don't eat veggies today, I might as well not bother at all. You know, it's an all or nothing effect. You know, we either diet and exercise or we don't diet and we don't exercise. But the important thing is that eat these antidepressant nutrients every day somehow with the tools, you know, nutritionists and, and pharmacists, naturopaths, we are all there to help people reach this modem, even if you're going to eat badly. So a lot of people think because they are having McDonald's and they're having iced coffees and they're eating on the run, there's no point in trying to be healthy. But you need to eat well as well as your junk food. So don't beat yourself up that you might want sweet things because a lot of us are addicted to sugar and we all live in a very high-stressed environment. You might have iced coffees, you might have muesli bars to get through the day, you might have ice cream after dinner. You know, like if we're going to do that, don't beat yourself up on it, but make sure that two out of three of your meals, your actual meals, contain these 12 antidepressant nutrients because it offsets the poor diet quality of some of these highly approachable food, processed foods that are easy to eat, easy to grab on the run that a lot of us are doing anyway. So don't despair if you can still have one to two meals that contain these antidepressant nutrients as well as maybe eating things that we probably should be limiting. You are going to be in better health that night when you sleep. Your brain is still going to help you regenerate and give you a better outlook on the next day. So, so try and do both and don't beat yourself up because, you know, I think half of, half of the world or most of our world is stressed. We've been told how to do everything and we feel guilty. And feeling guilty and anxious is one of the most common health problems that we suffer from. Very few people will tell you they're not stressed today. And right now you might even be thinking about what you're going to choose to eat tonight. And that is why I wanted to remind GPs and pharmacists that if a GP is prescribing to their patient that morning and giving them their meds, 
just reminding their patient to perhaps go to the, the fruit and veggie shop instead of Hungry Jack's just today, they could make a difference. So the GP is concentrating on medicine and his, and his number of patients he has to see that day, and he's probably stressed too. So it's really important that he just makes that comment, what's your food choices today? What are you doing? And when a pharmacist gives his prescription out, it doesn't hurt to say to somebody who is feeling anxious or a bit blue, what are you going to eat for dinner today? Where are you going now? Are you going into the shopping centre? What are you going to get for dinner? What are you eating tonight? You know, and, and have a conversation about food. So ultimately, if your doctor, your pharmacist, your nutritionist, everybody around you is aware that a little bit of good nutrition goes a long way, we will make that better choice when we leave the pharmacy. Instead of going to Hungry Jack's, we might actually go to a health food shop or even go into Coles or Woolies and get a stir-fry pack, you know, and then make up a stir-fry. Am I being over-optimistic there, do you think? <laughs> oh, I don't think so. Look, as a naturopath myself, Dr. Steeles, I don't think so at all. And I think that's the, I think that's the most reassuring thing that you've said here today, that's it doesn't matter if you've had a bad day and you've had uh, you know, a bad meal. So, yes, you might have gone to a burger joint, got yourself a big sloppy burger with a serving of chips on the side. I think the important thing there is that even if you've done that, don't despair. I think that's the important note there. You can still salvage something during the day by just making sure that you make up for it with your other meals by including the fruits and the veggies and some wonderful protein sources and good fats. So that's the key point there. And you now have got this option there. So whether you're a doctor, naturopath, pharmacist, that you can add this, and I won't say new dimension, but a different dimension to their conventional treatment. So you can be giving antidepressants or the equivalent medication or the equivalent herb or nutrient um, as a supplement, but don't forget the food. Include the food as well. That whole the holistic approach that we all strive for when it comes to health and well-being, and particularly when it comes to mental health today. So some very key points there, uh, Dr. Steeles, and I, I truly believe that it's a concept that will be embraced by a lot of our practitioners and ultimately and most importantly can and potentially will be embraced by the public, our patients, our customers. So Dr. Steeles, what are some tips for listeners to consider when it comes to choosing foods to support their mental well-being and their overall well-being? Um, one of the key things is that these antidepressant nutrients have another property that they all have in common, which is they're what we call anti-inflammatory foods. So another way that um, might be useful for people is actually to Google and, you know, Google has all the answers now, but you can actually Google which foods are anti-inflammatory and which foods are not. And those foods will give you a very quick idea of which foods are going to be better for you from a mental health point of view because a lot of this poor nutrition is creating an inflammatory environment in the body and that includes the brain. The brain becomes inflamed. And so a perpetuation of, of foods that are high in calories and low in nutrients perpetuates that. So an anti-inflammatory diet is also the same thing as having an antidepressive nutrient diet. And there are some really good books and foods and, and even um, you know meal books and diet plans around that kind of concept as well. And that might give people ideas of what, what foods to put together, what meals to put together. So many people, when I start 
altering diets tell me that they can't think of what to have breakfast if I take away toast and cereal and yogurt. And they, what what are you leaving with? So you know we are a prolific um, cookbook writing world right now. There are so many yep. beautiful cookbooks there a lot of people have them but I don't think they actually open them and use them they just look pretty so my key is I eat color another simple way of doing it is just look for color and make sure every day you eat color so I have and it sounds silly but I have a radish and a carrot um and a a cucumber Uh and a capsicum every day and sometimes I throw it together you know in a breakfast panini sometimes I throw it into an omelette Sometimes I just munch on them during the day. But I actually have a set of foods that I put in the fridge in a bowl that is my quota of antidepressant nutrients so that I know I need to eat those. And the kids have their bowl and they know that we've got to eat these particular foods. So I just munch on a radish, but other days I'll put it into a salad. So it's just being aware that even those four will will have a huge impact on mental health. And then look at all these beautiful cooking books out there if you really want to find us some more some more recipes. But, you know, sometimes raw is good and, and eating foods individually have a really positive effect. So my big thing is colour. Incorporate these nutrients into spaghetti bolognese, Mexican omelettes, potatoes. I've got kids and obviously we've all learned to hide veggies. So I think we have to do it as adults for some of us as well. And also think about every day. Just think about tomorrow. Often with mental health issues, we are so tired, we just want to get through our day and we just want to sleep and we are not very happy overall. So telling somebody how you'll feel next year is is too far away when you just want to get through the week or you're trying to get to Friday. So the second thing I'd say is just eat tomorrow the best you can. Don't beat yourself up the next day. Try and make some good choices as well and never beat yourself up over it. That's great advice there, Dr. Seals. And yes, look, nothing better starts the day than a nice omelette with a mixture of capsicum and um, green and green and red capsicum, to be exact, a bit of carrot there as well, maybe some kale. There uh, we go. Plethora of colours there. You've got your oranges, your reds, your greens and so forth. Sounds wonderful. And I guess, you know, it's that whole concept again of food as medicine, medicine as food. Yeah. An omelette, who, who would think nowadays that an omelette can be a potentially a therapeutic tool that you can use when it comes to helping with our mental well-being? So, no, it's a wonderful strategy there. I guess you could say that can certainly play a, um, a major role in our mental health and well-being. So, Dr. Steeles, are there any other useful assessment tools used in this area of study? Well, this is what we're developing now. And there are two assessment tools that you can start looking at. One is the antidepressant food score, and it is being turned into an easy to read document and book at this point in time. So people can actually look at it and see where they fit and whether they've got room for improvement. And there's also another one called the Dietary Inflammatory Index, DII. And that particular index allows you to put your foods in and it will tell you whether your diet is high in inflammatory foods or neutral, which means it's not doing either way, or it's an inflammatory diet. So what we're starting to see is our research being put into programs and books and um you know, checklists that are going to make it very easy for people to know if they're getting those 12 antidepressant nutrients without them having to be a nutritionist. So that is our next step. We're doing the research to prove what we need and now we're starting to translate that into easy um, 
tools that people can use to check their own diet without them having to know, you know, do a nutrition degree in order to, to know what to eat. So that you're going to watch those spaces. And a few more books are being written at the moment that are starting to highlight these concepts and to give people tools. So I think the main thing is to watch this space as you see more and more practical tools being put out there for everybody to use. And that's fantastic to hear. And I think that's important to know that, you know, given the fact that mental health is of major concern at the moment, it's good to know that there are tools that are or have been developed or are being developed along with books that can certainly help everyone out there and give people more information, more power when it comes to dealing with such conditions. So on that note, my final question to you today, Dr. Steeles, of course, the area, one of the areas that's close to my heart, herbal medicine, in particular medicinal herbs that are centered on mental health. So herbs that we know of like St. John's wort, passion flower, carver, lavender, withania, uh, which is also known as ashwagandha, and of course the beautiful turmeric with the component of curcumin. So in your opinion, Dr. Steeles, is there a place for herbs when it comes to mental well-being? Oh, well, there's a just a resounding yes there. Um, my first comment is that we use herbs in cooking and, and we should continue to use our herbs in cooking. And um, it, it's bringing back practices that we had and have been using for thousands of years and bringing them back into our focus again. So one you mentioned is curcumin from turmeric. We actually know that that will reduce brain inflammation and brain inflammation is associated with a poor diet. And all of the research is amazing research that it can actually work on this brain-derived growth factor and can help regenerate brain cells while we sleep. So for me, curcumin or turmeric is something that you need to add into your cooking. Um, obviously, you absorb it a lot better if you have a bit of black pepper with it a bit of oil with it um, and you cook it with foods, you absorb it a lot better. There are some very, um, very good commercial products around as well. If you don't like these herbs, you can take it as a capsule or a tablet if you want. But, you know, when it comes to food, put your turmeric into as many things as you can um, while you're cooking. And, and it really is going to help reduce whole body inflammation and have a long-term positive effect on health. So we have got trials with curcumin and mental health. Um, that have positive results. So that's very exciting. For a lot of the other herbs, um, I like using them as teas and as relaxing tools. A lot of us get stressed and passion flower, which is passiflora, is a beautiful flower. And um, what it does is help relax and give you a feeling of well-being without any sedative effect. So things like, you know, lavender and passion flower are really supportive during the day when you just need to slow down before you go into a meeting or a podcast and you want to just <laughs> wind yourself down. A little bit of, of lavender doesn't hurt and my passive flora doesn't hurt either. Then if you want sleep, the withania and the carvers are very good for sleep. For some people, it's not getting through the day. It's about being able to turn off at night and you don't want heavy sedation at night. You may not want to take the drugs that will knock you out. Um, you might just want to try and ease yourself into it because it's a behavioural problem as well that the more your behaviour gets out of whack, the more the body learns it as a, as a learnt thing. So to get yourself back into sleep, these sort of herbs are going to help slow the mind down 
and let you sleep better because, as you know, it's when you sleep that this neurogenesis actually works and your brain regenerates. So it's really important to use those ones. And things like St. John's Wort have been used for many years and they are used specifically for depression, not really for anxiety and stress. So the important thing about um, herbs for depression is to make sure that you've got a good team around you. So you need to have a doctor who is maybe already prescribing a number of antidepressants or an antidepressant and your herbalist and make sure you work together because some things like St. John's Wort will um, potentiate other antidepressants and you might end up doing what we call a double dose and there might be side effects of mixing St. John's Wort with other herbs. So when you're at this point, make sure you do consult with your doctor and your herbalist. But as far as teas go during the day, green teas and mild herbs are quite safe for most of us to take when we're a little bit stressed. And a lot of that stress is around us. And I think nothing beats uh, an evening before going to bed smelling lavender, right? So just yes. to help you just to just to calm yourself down for the day. And look, one of the things I love about the herb carver, whenever I do my um, my trainings or education work when it comes to carver, I always say to people, have you ever met a stressed out Fijian before? No, neither have I. Because it's sort of like, wow, like over in Fiji, you know, they love their carver over there and, and, and the benefits of carver when it comes to just reducing that nervous tension and anxiety. Uh, it's part of their daily lives. And uh, it's certainly a herb that, as you're well aware, has received a lot of attention, particularly when it mm. comes to clinical research. The evidence now is quite solid for carver, particularly when it comes to uh, uh, to anxiety and nervous tension. So it's a pretty exciting time when it comes to the beautiful array of herbs that we have when it comes to dealing with a lot of our um, concerns regarding mental health and well-being. So it's just good to know that um, that kind of information that's out there is now becoming more valid, uh, more heavily researched, and so therefore giving us the confidence that it can do its job when it comes to uh, general health and well-being, particularly mental health and well-being. So look, Dr. Steeles, it's been interesting to hear this fascinating area of nutritional psychiatry and the important role that diet and in particular certain nutrients and indeed certain herbs uh, can play when it comes to our moods and our mental well-being. And I, for one, as a practitioner, uh, am extremely interested to see if, when and how nutritional psychiatry will become a routine part of mental health clinical practice. So, Dr. Steeles, thank you so much for your time today and for sharing with our audience these critical points about the emerging and important field of nutritional psychiatry. Thank you very much for having me. And we encourage you to consult with your healthcare practitioner for advice on whether supplements are suitable for you. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, We'd appreciate you jumping onto iTunes to provide us with a rating and a review. If you have a topic that you'd like us to cover, we want to hear from you. Get in touch with us via the Eagle Natural Health website, which is www.eaglenaturalhealth.com.au in the Contact Us section. I'm Vic Tabala. Thanks for listening.